freaking auto! This, this is Brock and Salk. Brock Ewart is my hero. Jay Buter just punched me in the kidney. Powered through the Alaska Airlines studio. On Seattle Sports. So we're going to do you a minute. It doesn't really work that way, Sherm. This is a show that has my name on it. It kind of does, though. Brought to you by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. Now, here are your hosts, Brock Ewart and Mike Salk. Hello! Hello! Oh, yes, hello. Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710, seattlesports.com, and the Seattle Sports app, plus all those podcast platforms, wherever they may be. That's where Justin was last week. He was out helping people around the Pacific Northwest install their podcast apps appropriately on their phones that they could download episodes of the Brock and Salk show. Justin, thank you for your service. We appreciate that. That was a really big thing you did. Very, very busy week for me. And yeah, I appreciate everybody, you know, opening their homes to me and letting me come over and and fix all the other technical America's guest, basically. Yes. (laughs) Have an issue. Justin will come to your home. He will sleep there, eat some of your food, park his scooter, and then, uh, yeah, fix whatever it is you need. So thank you. It's good to have you back, buddy. We Thanks, missed man. you. Yeah, I was thinking about ranked every day. Oh, good. About nine forty-five. Oh, Did you no. guys rank anything while you were on your? Did you tell the guys about the uh, the ranking on the scooter trip? No, most of them knew okay. about ranked. So they Did they like that? They do. Okay. But uh, nobody was willing to do ranked with me at nine forty-five. Oh, that's too day. bad. So I felt very lonely. That's that kind of that's kind of a bummer. Mora was was like barely willing to do ranked with me, and so I brought in <laughs> Avery for a day, and <laughs> yeah, I had to come up with some other things. And Mora, you went to your fashion show. I did. And. Yes. It was great. Uh, it was uh, couture in cars at the LeMay Car Museum in Tacoma. Cool. Have you ever been down there? I've driven by it. Like, I've seen it over there, and yeah. actually, I've always kind of wanted to go oh, in there. very cool. It looks very I don't, cool. I don't know cars that well, but uh, it seemed like there were some pretty cool ones there, and it was just a really cool setting for a fashion nice. show. Nice. I saw some of the videos on Twitter. They looked awesome. Yeah. Man, these See, were you in the show, Maura? No, no, no. Um, Why not? So, it's actually someone that, um, Small World, that used to play high school football with Brock that runs uh, something called Fashion District Northwest out here. Yes. Dave Bailey, he reached out to me. and It's um, not Damon? wasn't Damon. No. Okay, I think he said it. he played with Luke a little bit, too. Um, Brock remembered him, said his dad coached him in Little League. So, uh, small world. But yeah, he uh, had heard you guys talking about how I modeled at one point on the show because he oh, really? listened to the podcast. Oh, yeah. cool. And thought I might be interested, and I was. I, it was a, it was really, really cool. Well, that is fun, man. Fun weekend for everybody. Uh, I will tell you a little bit more about mine later in the show. It was interesting, man. Taylor Swift was quite the experience, unlike anything I've ever seen. Oh yeah, I've never, I've never experienced. Well, yeah, I've never experienced anything like that. Yeah, I would say the exact. Well, I've seen her once or twice. Same thing. Walked away being like, that was. The different. Only time I'm ever going to experience something like right, this. Right. Yeah, I will not go back. Like I wouldn't do it again. <laughs> But I really had a good time, if that makes sense. Like, I enjoyed it. I've never enjoyed a concert more where I didn't like the music. Like, I'll give that, you know, sort of. It's a show. It's it's a a show. And more than that, it's an environment and almost more of like an emotional bonding connection for the people that are there. I don't know. It was. I have a lot of thoughts, and maybe a lot of them are over the top. But I will. uh, We'll dig through that a little bit later in the show. Yeah, you said that's like a few paragraphs. I I found, well, look, I'm sitting there all day, and I'm not, you know, it's not like I know every song. She played 45 songs. Whoa. 45 songs in three and a half hours. Wow. It's a long. Was there inter- intermissions? No. Whoa. It is a lot of Taylor Swift, right? 45 songs in, in three and a half hours. And I was kind of counting up ahead of time how many songs I knew. I knew like <clears throat> 10, sure. 11, like somewhere in that range. My kids knew like 30. The crowd knew 45. Of course. Right. So, you know, I had a lot of time 
<laughs> during some of those other songs to kind of look around and observe and, you know, think about what was happening there. So I'm excited to hear more about we, it. We'll dig into that at 730. The, the Mariners are, are we kind of have to talk about this kind of off the top because we left here on Friday saying you kind of need to sweep the Blue Jays. I mean, that's sort of the position they put themselves in. I don't like it. I don't want them to be in that spot. It's not like, and again, the season doesn't end immediately if you don't, but you kind of needed a sweep over this weekend. And Justin, I know you weren't around and sort of asked the question last night in, in our email. Hey, you know, what was different this week? Nothing. 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 They played the same. They came back in two games. That was the only thing that was different. Mm-hmm. They had a couple of comebacks. They got a couple of late hits. Teo had a great hit on Friday to drive in runs, and they came through again back and forth game on Saturday. They didn't come through yesterday when they had an opportunity late. That was it. That was the difference. Microcosm of the season. Pretty much. And and while, you know, I want to come in here today riding high and saying, okay, great, two out of three. That was awesome. That's what they needed. They won three games in a row. And if you do win yesterday, obviously it feels totally different. And you say, all right. Maybe you are right in the middle of this thing, three and a half back in the wild card, seven and a half in the division. But they don't. And it just feels like the same old thing. Like just when you start to get your hopes up, they crush them. And just when you start to think this team is toast, they win two or three in a row. As Jerry told us last week, they have done 500 in the most 500 way possible. Win two, lose two. Win three, lose three. Do I expect them to go to Minnesota now and and win two out of three? Who the heck knows? Only if I then expect them to go wherever's next and lose two out of three. Yeah. Because that's what they've been. Brock's been saying it for a while, and he's probably right. They're a 500 team. What's maddening about it is when you see them over the course of that three-game win streak, you're like, yeah, that's the design. That's the way it's supposed to be. When Ty France hits and Eugenio hits and Teo hits, you can survive the fact that Julio's still really not doing much of anything. When Cal Raleigh actually hits, which he has not done for a while, I mean, like... But a few of them all hit at the same time, which is the biggest problem. Which they haven't done. Eugenio got hot hot last week, then cooled off this weekend. Teo was hot this weekend, but we'll see. It's... Julio hit his first home run of the month. Yes, and then struck out in the biggest spot he had. I mean, yeah. like, it's it just one of those things where, where you're watching this team wondering when they're going to be able to sustain in one direction or the other, right? I mean, if you're going to lose, lose, for God's sakes. Fall, nah, you probably don't want that. But you know what I mean? Like, make it clear who you are. Yeah, pick a And, you know, Brock says this is who they are. And he'll be in at seven. He can talk through that. It's really hard for me to agree with that. It is. Because they, 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 we see what they're capable of. And I think that's what's so frustrating to me. And maybe that's personal. Maybe it's because I thought they were going to be really good this year. So just like I think Brock sees every negative, we didn't hear from him all weekend until they lost yesterday. All of a sudden, Brock pops right back up on the radar. Here he is. Julio stinks. Okay, thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Missed (laughs) you for the last three games when they came back and did all those things. But I'm just as guilty of it the other way. Like, I really do believe that this is going to be a good team. And and still I watch them thinking it, even though I have almost 100 games of evidence to suggest otherwise, which is stupid. But maybe I'm a sucker 
Because I look at the lineup, I look at the rotation, I look at the roster, I watch them for those three games in a row, and I say, yeah, that's who this team is. And they go right back to not being that team again the next day. It is, it is confounding and incredibly frustrating. And well, it adds to it that the other teams aren't really pulling away too, right? So no matter how frustrated you get, you're like, they're still in it. They are still in it. They're only, I mean, as bad as things are, they're four and a half back in the wild card. All they got to do is have a good week. Go six and one. And by the way, go to Minnesota right now and sweep them. You've gone six and one. True. Right? I mean, like, it's still perfectly possible. Every time I want to give up on them, I, they, they show me not to. And every time you think someone's going to run away with Texas still isn't that good. I know they rolled off six in a row and then they lost three in a row and then they won one. They're a good team. They're not a great one. Okay. And the teams in the wild card ahead of you are all flawed. Every one of them. Houston's flawed. Red Sox are flawed. Right. Toronto. You just saw they're clearly flawed. I still think you're a better team than Toronto. Mm hmm. And you're going to be playing the actually the Red Sox and the Angels here coming up. Like in the I, I think you're weeks. just as good, if not better, than those teams. When I look at the roster, unbiased, and for whatever reason they've been unable to sustain that over the course of the season. So hopefully they do. Hopefully they are able at some point to get it together and do what they need to. Because I honestly, truly believe they're talented enough for it, but they don't play like it, and that is just incredibly frustrating. 40, All right, forty-five songs. 45 songs, dude. <laughs> 45 part, songs. Man. You know, one of the highlights was, is uh, you know who opened for was Haim? Oh, yeah. Do you like them? I do. It seemed like somebody you would like. They I were do. good. Yeah. And they came out and played a song with her, too, Surprise, which was kind of fun. had an opener that many songs. Uh, she like, had two openers. That's a five-hour day. Dude, doors open at 4.30. Oh, She wow. comes on at 7.50. Wow. So we knew that ahead and sort of planned ahead for it. But, yeah, it's a... <sighs> It's a full day. It's a full experience. And man, I, I got to say, there were a lot of people there who really knew every line to every song. All right, we'll come back, give you everything you need to know. And then more will take us around a crazy sports weekend. It's Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710seattlesports.com. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Well, it was a good weekend for the Mariners, I guess. Two of their most exciting wins of the season on Friday and Saturday in front of a packed house at home. But they've just given up so much of their margin for error that losing a winnable game on Sunday just sucks so much of the energy out of what could have been a really great weekend. They certainly could have swept the Blue Jays something. I gotta say, I I really felt like they needed to do. They were up 2-0 early yesterday, thanks to Mike Ford. 1-0. Swung on, high drive, right field. Look at it, carry. Giddy up. Gone. Hey, now, right off the hit it here cafe. Mike Ford with a two-run homer in the Mariners, an early lead here in the second inning. Yeah, that one was way, way gone, as uh, Dave said, off the hit it here cafe. But unfortunately, they gave those two runs back as Brian Wu gave up a two-run shot to Vlad Jr. And then they were down 4-3 in the ninth. Two on, nobody out. They bunt. Julio strikes out, and that left it up to Eugenio Suarez. 4-3 Toronto, the pitch. Fly ball, left field. Going back is Merrifield. Towards the corner, makes the catch. Toronto wins the ball game, 4-3. 
That's exactly the right energy. That's exactly how it felt. They just couldn't quite get it done. Uh, There was an interesting decision to bunt, but even more so, Julio, second and third, one out. That strikeout really hurts. I think at times, it's not just Julio, but a lot of young players. You know, you you want to be the guy. You want to, you know, he wants so much uh, for our team to move forward. And, you know, he's grinding. He's trying. And sometimes, you know, you try a little too hard uh, in those spots. I thought, you know, what Teo did the other night. You know, he went up to the, the bat, and again, Tails got uh, many more years, many more at-bats than some of our younger guys, but very definite, clear plan. He's going to take it the other way and, and go from there. And, you know, our players will learn that, the younger guys. You know, the more experience they get, that's part of maturing, um, you know, in this league because they are going to pitch you a certain way. Uh, but, you know, just wasn't able to get it done today. I mean, I think Scott's been pretty consistent about this. And if you listen to him talk about Julio, you hear the same sort of pointed comments each time. Why isn't he having success in the clutch? Plan. It's not ability. It's just having the right plan and then going up and executing on that. And he's perfectly capable of it. Eventually, it'll get done. But the way it's happened this year really has been challenging. They fall now to eight and a half back in the in the division, rather, after getting it down to seven and a half on Saturday. They're four and a half back in the wild card. And they go on the road now. Uh, first Minnesota, then Arizona. 440 start this afternoon with Luis Castillo on the hill. Here's the second thing you need to know. Well, just two more days now before we see these 2023 Seahawks take a huge first step towards their quest for another playoff appearance. They start training camp with, honestly, very little drama. There's no holdouts, no contract disputes. The only two real injury concerns would be Jamal Adams and Jordan Brooks, which we've been following here for a while. Throw in a second straight exciting rookie class and... Should be all kinds of intrigue, perhaps more of it at training camp than we had last year. It won't have a quarterback battle, though. This is Geno Smith's job. We'll see what he looks like in camp where he is the clear starter. He uh, looked great in those offseason camps. Honestly, Pete Carroll said he's noticed a difference. Yeah, yeah. He, he has been a, a really positive influence on the other guys. He's been he's so determined and he, he's he's got he's got his eye on uh, on the ball the whole way now and, and uh, he's been so consistent and available and, and the messaging is so solid it's like you know you, you, everybody needs to come along with him he's going you know and, and uh, it's just been such a remarkable thing to watch you know the way he's taken over and the, the opportunity and how he commanded so well last year and and he has handled the the success and he's handled the Pro Bowl and the offseason and, and all the hype and all of that. He and, and how he's answered it is with great work. Yeah, he clearly elevated throughout the offseason. He looked like a legitimate starting quarterback who could take this team places if you saw him at OTAs and minicamp. So we'll see if he can keep that going through training camp and then into the season. Here's the third thing you need to know. When I was a kid, my favorite book by Matt Christopher was called Little Lefty. It's about a little lefty pitcher who played Little League. Yesterday belonged to the little lefty from Georgia, Brian Harmon. And Harmon makes his history at Hoylake. That's right. He slept on two five-stroke leads, still won the Open Championship by six shots over a pretty impressive group of bigger names like Rom and Day, a bunch of others. He was the best putter in the field. Hit the fewest putts of any champion golfer of the year since the stat has been kept. 
And uh, I thought he used that left-handedness to his advantage, also stayed in the moment. And I guess people were talking some nasty stuff about him over the course. He heard fans saying things to him, and he just kind of used it to motivate him. So great job. Congratulations to Brian Harmon. Uh, Mariners make some roster moves this weekend. Pollock joins Kelnick on the IA, on, on the uh, injured list. Excuse me. Very, very tough, obviously, to watch him uh, not play. That's that's challenging. Taylor Trammell comes back to the big leagues in his place. Prelander Baroa failed his first test. He had three walks in just two-thirds of an inning, so he goes back to Arkansas for Isaiah Campbell. And don't forget the Kraken. They have a new highest-paid player. They reach a deal with Vince Dunn on Friday to keep him in Seattle for the next four years at $29.4 million. That avoids arbitration, and that's probably, I would think, going to be it for them this offseason. All right. What was everything the, you need to know. What was with the negative stuff being said to... I don't know. I think people were mad because he's... They wanted him to win? Yeah, they wanted Fleetwood or Rory, right? And then Rom was in it. And, you know, they wanted their, you know, the big names. And Brian Harmon is not a big name, although Cecily likes to call him Hair Man, which is ironic because he is bald, man. He is five foot seven and does not have a lot of hair. (laughs) Very unfortunate. And one of the very few lefties on tour. And he, yeah, not a big name, but he's been playing well over the last year. And, uh, yeah, he just, he was lights out, man. Yeah, people were talking trash, and he's just like, cool, let it motivate me. I know, it doesn't feel right, does it? And you don't really hear that happening at any other tournament, do you? No, and certainly not to people that are, like, nondescript. Like, it's one thing with Bryson DeChambeau a few years ago where he, like, had turned himself into a heel. Brian Harmon is just, like, a random dude on the PGA Tour. Like, he's nobody. And apparently that made some people uh, angry at the Open Championship. So, they, uh, yeah, I know. Very, very ridiculous. So uh, It was fun, though, man. I really do love watching that golf tournament. It is unique. It is so – I wish I – re- I said it last week. I'll say it again. Lynx golf looks amazing. And if only there was a spot here in America that had hosted in a you know, major championship that could play that style golf and look like that over the course of, I don't know, four days – and it happened to be in University Place. I don't know. It seems like it's kind of spot that could use a regular tour stop yeah. if it uh, doesn't get more majors as well. All right. Uh, more. That's not the only thing that happened this weekend. It was a busy, one of the busiest weekends ever in the uh, Seattle area. So more is going to take us through it all next on Brock and Salk. This, this is Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airline Studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Legendary weekend across the Seattle area. Really was beautiful, perfect weather. And that came with all kinds of big events from... Taylor Swift to the Blue Jays in town to Bite of Seattle, Storm, Block Party, Capitol Hill Block Party. You had six cruise lines docked in town this weekend as well. I'm sure Moore is going to lead off with the Northwest Nationals down at Pacific Raceways in Kent. I I mean, why wouldn't she? I know that Dude Perfect was here, I think, this weekend as well. Seattle Storm. I think DK Metcalf and Jackson Smith and Jigbo were at a Seattle Storm game this weekend. It's just everything. So whatever it is that floats your boat and then Seafair is about to start. I saw the Pirates on the move yesterday. So, yeah, it is uh, that time of year here in Seattle. Super busy. Training camp starting on Wednesday. And uh, obviously, we'll spend some time talking football today as well. Before, oh, you know, we're starting today. 
the famed Brock and Salk 25 most intriguing Seahawks list. Oh, famed. Famed. Maybe infamous. Internationally? Okay. Well, I mean, yeah, our podcast goes international. Justin, go. didn't we say we're in like 12 countries or something like that? I mean, that's where I, where do you think I was this past week? Yeah, that's a good point. Making sure that all worked. Justin had to go to... Uh, Everywhere. Yeah, I can't come up with a... I couldn't come up with a funny country. Mauritania. <laughs> yeah. Mauritania, just to fix somebody's podcast app. So, Maura, what uh, what did we miss? If you were busy at all of those events and didn't get a chance to watch sports, what did people miss this weekend? Right. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't even think we'll, we'll get to everything. But we'll start off with the Mariners because they did have some good stuff going on this weekend. Um, let's see. Friday, it felt like a familiar script to start the night. Bryce Miller had only given up one run in five and th- five and a third innings of work, but the offense had been unable to get any runs on the board. And after a wild pitch by Perlander, Barroa scored another run. The M's were down 2 nothing, heading into the bottom of the seventh. But they got some traffic on the bases in that inning with Ty France walking, Pollock hitting a double, and Mike Ford following that up with a single to drive France home. They even loaded up the bases again, but Suarez struck out to end the inning. Colton Wong was then brought into the game because A.J. Pollock exited with a hamstring injury. Mm. Um, he has been placed on the I.L. I sad. Know that's very sad. To very solve. sad. Yeah, yeah it's tough. He was not calling for him to be. Did we see it happen? Cut last week. No. Okay. No, I didn't see that happen. Like, did you see him pull up somewhere? Didn't he... didn't see that, but I okay. uh, did see him removed from the game and then put on uh, the injured list. Yes. Got it. <laughs> Got it. Okay. And the top of the eighth, Taylor Sacedo replaced uh, Perlander Baroa and got the M's out of a bases-loaded jam. Then Ty France hit a double that brought Tom Murphy home to make it a tie game at 2-2 in the bottom of the eighth. Seawald handed business, handled business in the top of the ninth, and in the bottom of the ninth, Teoscar Hernandez found himself at the plate with two outs and a chance to play hero against his former team. First pitch. Swung on, hit the right field line drive, backs up Springer on a wall, it's off the wall, and he gets it done! An RBI single and game winner by Teoscar Hernandez! And the Mariners win this baby 3-2! They come out in bobtail! He went for the first pitch and hit a bullet off the right field wall! 3-2 Mariners, it's over! So really nice win for the Mariners on Friday, right? They had won on Thursday to split the series with Minnesota. And it felt like, oh, you know, we talked about a Friday. Hey, maybe the Kelnick thing is going to be galvanizing for them in some way. We've said that about 30 other things so far this year. So why not say it about that too? Huh? I said eventually it'll be true. (laughs) Eventually they'll start winning and we'll (laughs) point to that moment and say, see, I called it. I told you that would be the thing that caught them going. But yeah, you get a, you get a good and honest to goodness, good comeback win on Friday. So I'm watching that game. I went to uh, Snoqualmie Casino on Friday and uh, hit up the buffet first, by the way. Bro- uh, some, of some, you did. some broasted chicken. Oh, I love oh, broasted yeah. chicken. Pretty delicious. Oh, I love broasted chicken. Broasted chicken is underrated, oh, man. You go to the Marco Polo. Gets yes, I know. That's chicken. their yeah. thing there. I've had it there. That, I think those are the only two places I've ever had it. I've only ever had roasted chicken at dive bars. Yeah. There's like well, two of them in Colorado. Marco Polo uh, down in, yeah. we call it Soto or Georgetown, yeah. is like that's sort of known for it. It's a big coog yeah. bar. But it was great. Went to Snoqualmie, had the broasted chicken, and then went to see Queensryche, which again, very different from my night on Saturday with Taylor Swift. But Oh my God! Can those guys play? Which they, version did you see? Th- there's only one version now. Okay, Jeff Tate's Queensrÿche is Got no it. longer a thing. Okay, it's, good. It's, it's really just uh, Eddie from is the only original member, the bassist. But Didn't everybody in it can play. They do this thing where like both guitarists solo the same solo at the same time. Awesome! And so it just creates this like cool soaring musical yeah. sound. It's really great. 
And uh, first time I've ever caught a pick, I was I was flipped a base pick. Sweet. I was like, oh, nice. Take that home and frame it. I mean, like, what are you yeah, supposed you to do with that? Oh, put yeah. it on my put it on my now night table for a while until eventually I throw it out. Thing. Yeah, yeah. It'll sit on my <laughs> night table for a couple of months and then I'll throw it out. Because why in the why would I have a base pick? I don't play the bass. Why would anyone want to remember this fun night you had? It was a fun night. But eventually, I was just going to throw that out. Anyway, (laughs) it was a lot of fun. They were great. So I leave there. And uh, one of the great things about um, enjoying yourself and and at the tables at Snoqualmie is that uh, they have TVs up everywhere. So I was uh, sitting at a table, which was a lot of fun, and uh, watching the end of that game, which was great. But the funny thing about being at a casino when a game like that ends is not everybody's happy. <laughs> right? Oh, right. Now, a lot of people were. You guys remember we were at Snoqualmie Casino, yeah. the three of us, for that walk-off the Mariners had a few Hanager. years ago. Yeah. The yeah. Hanniger game, yes, with Dave Sims and his big call, which was fun. But huh. this was uh, also a walk-off, but it was a one-run win. Mm. The spread was one and a half. Mm. <laughs> and if you'll notice, that ball hit what? foot and a half from going out of the park. Not even that. It hit the line. If it goes out of the park, those people who had the who had the uh, Mariners over, yeah. and well, not the over, but just who had the Mariners with the spread, okay. they win and everybody else uh, did not. So Didn't even consider that. I was like, everybody had to go nuts, right? Nah, not, not quite. Half the people went nuts. The people that hadn't bet on the game were going nuts <laughs> and there were a couple other people who were like, oh God, come on! <laughs> You're like, dude, the ball out of the park come on funny yeah so uh but good win and good for teo right i mean like you know he gets traded away from toronto they didn't want to pay for his final year of arbitration in watching him this year maybe they were right but you know clearly motivating for him and just a nice moment for a guy who's been disappointing this year to an extent but also seems like a genuinely good dude so that's kind of fun did to watch. You, I, I watched this replay of this inning did you see seawald kind of give a stare down to the dugout too after he Got out of the the uh, top of the ninth. Uh, no. Okay, I just thought I did. I thought I saw like a, a a quick stare down at the dugout before he turned around and did his normal heart thing. I he seemed pumped. Yeah, yeah. totally pumped. Oh, okay. But I thought he did like a, a a half second beat looking at the dugout, like mad at them. I don't know, mad at them, or it's sort of intimidating, like gotcha type. Oh, at the Toronto dugout. Yes, the Toronto oh, I thought dugout. you meant at his own dugout. No, 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 like, no, why no. would he be mad at his own team? No, at the Toronto dugout. I thought I saw. Oh, I'll have to rewatch it because. All right, let me know. I didn't notice that. Pretty sure that's what I caught. Probably. It's not like he hasn't gotten feisty before. Totally. He gets feisty. Um, yeah. That was well, an emotional ending. To what you said about uh, Teo facing his old team, uh, Scott Turpin said he spoke to him about that before the game because the emotions did get too high the first time around. Teo, um, you know, when he made the return back to Toronto um, early in the season, uh, he really struggled uh, in that series. And I think. Um, he struggled. He's trying to do too much. And uh, I joked with him earlier today, um, you know, let's just take a deep breath today and, and try to have fun. And he said, I got this. And he did. What a night. <laughs> and yeah, he did. He did. <laughs> Man. Good for him. All right. Saturday, three solo shots in the third helped the M's jump out to a 3 nothing lead. It was Cal Raleigh, Dylan Moore, and then this one from Julio. Gosman's pitch. Swung on. Crushed left field. Back it goes, say goodbye, Julio. Bangs off the out-of-town scoreboard. The Mariners' third home run of the inning. Julio goes long, and the Mariners on top, 3-0. Julio hit a home run? (laughs) 
Yes, he did. Should we should we dedicate oh, really? a whole show to it? Uh, this is first in over a month. Yeah. About a month. Well, that's good. Yeah. Well, man, he, I saw that he had one, I think, robbed, though, against the Tiger series, right? But he was... Yeah. It wasn't like he hasn't come close, I guess. What? Moving that, along. That stare. A Vlad Guerrero. I'm staring you down like Paul Seawald in the Toronto okay, Bullpen. The Texers are agreeing. Yeah, everyone said he did. Okay, good. A Vlad Guerrero Jr. double drove in a run in the fourth, but the uh, M still held a 3-1 lead. Things started to unravel for Gilbert in the fifth, though, and the Blue Jays matched the M's third inning with three home runs of their own to take a 5-3 lead. Uh, the big dumper struck again in the bottom of the fifth to pull the M's within one. I know you guys. That doesn't sound natural coming out of your mouth, more. I got to tell you, <laughs> you guys. The you last time I put it in there, you guys were like, "What?" You didn't say that with enough confidence. You got to say it with a little more confidence. The big dumper struck there again in the go. bottom of the fifth there you to go. pull the M's within one. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't sound natural coming out of your mouth. I don't know why. <laughs> It's kind of like when Salk did the kind of a banger. <laughs> right. Oh, like, yeah. just say it. Like, I don't have enough confidence when I I don't in. think you feel right about saying Big Dumper. And so when you say it, you can <laughs> just sort of pick up on the, like an energy that yeah. you're not quite there with. All right. Yeah. Well, good for Cal. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Matt Brash gave up a couple of runs in the seventh that extended Toronto's lead to 7-4. But the M's offense kept chipping away, something we're not so used to seeing these days. Doubles from Dylan Moore, Teoscar Hernandez, and J.P. Crawford, and a single from Colton Wong helped pull the M's back ahead in the bottom of the ninth, or sorry, 9-7 in the bottom of the seventh. Um, and then Teoscar Hernandez doubled to drive Julio home. His 0-2. Swung on. Base hit. Left field. It's rolling towards the wall. J.P. will walk up. Here comes Julio. He's flying around third base. He's being waved. The cutoff throw home. The slide. He is safe. Julio scores, lets out a scream. Teoscar Hernandez, the second day in a row. A big punch to the gut to his former team. He lets out a yell at second base. Teo coming through. It's 9-7 Mariners. Sorry, that was what made it 9-7. But yeah, good weekend for Teo. It was a great weekend for him. Um, and, you know... <laughs> Does this is this the thing? I, I'm sick of asking these freaking questions, but is this the thing that unlocks, you know, Probably Teo not. Hernandez? Because <laughs> that's what I was expecting when they traded for him. Yeah. Yeah. I was expecting a lot of moments like that one. The guy does hit the ball hard. He's been in big spots before. You remember what he did to the Mariners in the playoffs last year. He was probably Toronto's best hitter in that playoff series. I mean, like, this is what he's supposed to be. It shouldn't feel like such a miracle. Same with Julio hitting a home run. Like, it shouldn't feel like such a miracle. Same with Cal Raleigh finally hitting a couple of home runs. Like, these things shouldn't feel surprising. That's who these guys are. But they haven't been much this year, and that's that's just incredibly frustrating. Yeah, it kind of feels like if they could just play Toronto all the time, they'd be doing pretty well. Yeah, they, they should do that. Yeah, yeah let's do that. Years. Let's make sure they play Toronto forever. <laughs> uh, we move Toronto into the AL West. Is that a thing? <laughs> then, uh... M's hitting coach Jarrett DeHart was ejected. It um, felt like a tough night for home plate umpire Emil Jimenez. I don't know if you guys noticed that. His ump scorecard said he was 3.6% be- below the expected relative yeah. accuracy. Not good. It was, it was all bad. And it was uh, in Toronto's favor. Well, so they overcame everything. This is just a team of battles. Yeah. They overcome, man. The eighth was I've described them all year long. <laughs> The eighth was uneventful for both teams. Things did get a little tense in the ninth uh, when Justin Topa allowed uh, runners on second and third with two outs. 
but then he got George Springer to ground out to seal the nail-biter win. Pitch from Topa, swung on, come back, he tried to kick save, here's Wong behind the bag, throws the first, in time, and the Bears win this, baby! 9-8 Seattle! They take the series from the Toronto Blue Jays! What a ball game! What a finish! Yeah, I was watching that one on my phone, right? Like the Fubo app on the phone, sitting uh, down in, uh, in in Georgetown yes, or Saturday before the concert. And it was, I think I was the only one like really glued to the phone no, in the middle wow. of this whole thing. But it was uh, it was great and, and good to see them lock that one down. And at that point, you're going, all right, Texas has now lost a few in a row. Like you're right back in. And honestly, it felt that way. Seven and a half back, three and a half in the wild card. And you're like, hey. Sweep tomorrow, and who knows? Maura, why don't you take us through Sunday quickly? Uh, yeah. Well, and I did think it was funny. I think after that game, Scott Service said, imagine watching that game and then going to the Taylor Swift concert over it. And I was like, well, that's what sucks. Dude. That was me. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll keep uh, yesterday brief since they lost. But uh, Brian Wu had a pretty good outing, striking out seven over six innings and giving up four runs. Uh, a two-run home run to Vlad Guerrero Jr. and a solo shot to Brandon Belt accounted for three of those four runs. So the home runs always, Got always seem to get them in a little bit of trouble. Um, even you know, even if you just give up a couple, <laughs> that happens so well, often. And, and you try not to get mad at guys for giving up you know solo shots like that. Or I'm guessing Vlad's case, it was a two run home run. Which I mean, he went the other way. What are you going to do? But um, I thought Wu pitched a really good game against yeah. a good lineup. I don't understand why he was brought in for the seventh inning. It did not make any sense to me. He seemed like he was done after six and I, I know the bullpens are all taxed from innings. the day before like but still I that one was surprising to me and you know kind of backfired on them and had trouble in that inning and uh yeah they end up giving back that lead and just ugh, just a frustrating game yesterday yeah. like so many we've seen this year well mike ford hit a two-run home run on the second adding to his tally so he's got 11 since joining the m's june 2nd which ties him with jared kelnick wow yeah. Impressive. Yeah, he's been <laughs> unbelievable. I mean, he's he's been that DH bat that they've needed all year. His name isn't Cody Bellinger, somebody who's more famous, but he's, you know, played like it, yeah. which is awesome. Um, Dylan Moore drove in a run with a single to tie at 3-3 in the bottom of the seventh. Uh, pretty big weekend for him because he has been so quiet. He went three for seven with a home run, two RBI, and a stolen base. So hopefully he's starting to heat up too. I know he, you know, didn't have any spring training mm-hmm. and then had some difficulties with that oblique injury. Um, the Blue Jays pulled ahead by one again in the seventh. In the ninth, Colton Wong uh, was walked. J.P. Crawford was first out on a sacrifice bunt, and Julio was up with the chance to walk it off. But he mm. struck out, mm. and then Suarez hit a fly ball to Yeah, that was a really disappointing end to that game, and, and obviously the Julio stuff. We'll go through it a little bit deeper uh, later in the show, but I, I think it starts, honestly, with the decision to bunt Crawford in that spot. Surprising to you too? It didn't surprise me. I don't think it's the wrong move. I am I am in general a fan of bunting a runner to third. I'm not a fan of bunting a runner to second. I am a fan of bunting a runner to third, and in this case, second and third. And I think Toronto had walked Julio in a similar spot earlier in the in the series, which I remember on Friday going, geez, thank God. Like don't 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 <laughs> Don't yeah. let him hit. So it was great that they had walked him. They didn't do it a second time. They pitched to him, and he struck out. And I knew he was going to strike out, and so did everybody else. And I think that was really, you know, the problem with bunting Crawford there is, A, he's been arguably your best hitter this year and better than Julio in the clutch, and B, 
you're 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 giving up an out that you can't really afford to give up. Look, it could have gone wrong the other way if he doesn't bunt Crawford. Maybe hits into a double play, and you're just like, oh my god, why didn't you just bunt? But it didn't work because Julio unfortunately couldn't deliver when all they needed was a fly ball. Man, I felt like he came up big in those situations so much last year. Yeah, he didn't at all. He hasn't at all this year. I mean, he's just been absolutely brutal in the ninth inning. There's so many games he's had opportunities to tie or win or whatever, and even if he just come through in half of them, a third of them, you know, if you were three wins better than you were right now, how different does this season look? Totally different. You're five and a half back in the division at that point. You're half a game out or game and a half out in the wild card. I mean, like, it's a totally different season. But unfortunately, it just hasn't gone that way. And Romano looked like he didn't have it either at the end there. No, he was he struggled early and then kind of got it back together. He pulled it together, yeah. So you go two and two and one over the weekend. Not good enough. Sorry. You went five and five on your homestand. Not good enough. You needed to go six and four. Quite frankly, you really needed to go seven and three or eight and two. But we were going to like be okay at six and four. Five and five. Not good enough. All right. Well, moving on. Uh, we'll go to golf. Ryan Herman, as you mentioned, won the British Open. I'm calling it the British Open because I don't. We live in the U.S. We don't care what the British think. Mm. <laughs> they get the mad Open. about it. Who cares? Mm. No. That's fine. I don't care at all. That's great. Uh, Harmon had 175 to 1 odds before the tournament got underway, and he hadn't won a PGA Tour since 2017. He finished at 13 under, six strokes ahead of the second-place finishers. And according to ESPN, he's the first U.S.-born golfer to win the tournament by at least six strokes since Tiger Woods in 2000. Jeez. Uh, This was him after winning. Your mind falter. Like, maybe I'm not winning again. I'm 36 years old. Game's getting younger. All these young guys coming out, you know, hit it a mile, and they're all ready to win. Like, when is it going to be my turn again? It's been it's been hard to deal with. I mean, I I, I think someone mentioned that I've had more top tens, more top tens than anyone since 2017. So that's a lot of times like where you get done, and you're like, I had that one. I, it just didn't happen for whatever reason. So yeah, to to come out and put a performance like that together, like start to finish. You know, just just had a lot of control. I, I don't know why this week, but I, I'm very thankful that it was this week. Do you watch every stroke of this tournament? No, I wish I had. I mean, a lot of it was uh, on in the middle of the night or very, very early. And after getting home late from uh, T-Swift on Saturday night, I was not... Uh, up early for uh, most of uh, most of Sunday. But congratulations. Brian Harmon is not like a lot of other golfers that are winning on tour. He's five foot seven. He's completely bald. You know, he's bald. He's he. I mean, like yeah, he's, so a, le- he's a lefty hair in the golf world. I mean, most guys have some. I mean, but, you know, even Jordan is losing his hair, but he's still kind of fluffing it up <laughs> after every win or or what Susie takes his hat off. You wear hats most of the time. Yeah, Harmon looks very different when he takes that hat off. Trust me. Anyway, uh, he he's not a long hitter. He's an accurate kind of approach guy, and he's he's kind of like a, not an also ram, but he's just like one of those guys who every once in a while is sort of in it, but you never expect to win. And when he kind of got out to the early lead early in the week, you're like, okay, well that guy's going to falter. Look at all the names behind him. And instead, he was just steady Eddie, and he just kept adding to his lead. He was aggressive. He putted well. And, you know, from what I understand, being left-handed was an advantage on that course, especially in the back nine with the wind. And it helped. He just had, like, the perfect shot shape for that course. He played great. 
And congratulations to him. I just love watching that championship. I think it is so cool that it looks different from all the other golf we watch over the course of the year. Dumping rain. I know. Yeah, yesterday, that's too bad. I don't like that. But I liked it earlier in the week when it was just, I mean, it was nice there. The guys are wearing, you know, long sleeves. Phil was wearing essentially a long sleeve T-shirt. Come on, Phil. Put on a collar. What are we doing? (laughs) All right. Well, I love another ridiculous. Looked Congrats. ridiculous wearing Ryan a t-shirt Harvey. on a golf course. Well, I also, I, I thought it was kind of fitting. I've, I've, how much golf do we watch where they're golfing somewhere so beautiful and so gorgeous? You're like, oh, how nice would right. that be? And then it's just gorgeous and sunny here, and they're just out there slogging in the rain. It was like, good. Your yeah. turn. Our turn. <laughs> yeah. All right, I wanted to get into some of the Pac-12 Media Day stuff, but maybe we'll wait for Brock uh, for that. Um, Do they have a Media Day? They still do that? Yeah. I mean, That's they weird. didn't have what, much with to what say media? because they said they wanted to focus on football and everyone wanted to talk about the media rights deal. He's like, well, we want to keep the focus on football. I was like, well, you know what would do that? Having a media rights deal done in a timely manner. Then people wouldn't want to talk about that instead of football. I would but, love to know what the number of people who showed up to Pac-12 Media Day was compared to like the Big Ten SEC. Yeah. Who Like, is it covered by the major networks or are they just like, ah, we're good now? Bump was there. We can ask Bump. Yeah. All right. Well, when Bump gets in, we'll, um, we'll and check. And then also in shout out the – we're just kind of getting underway with the World Cup stuff, but the U.S. women's national team uh, beat Vietnam 3 nothing in the opening yeah. match, and they will play um, the Nev- Netherlands yeah. on Thursday. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Is that a good uh, good match? Don't know about that. I knew that they were expected <laughs> to win the Vietnam one, but this was – Well, Vietnam I would think. Yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously, they're expected to three-peat, so – I would assume that they're favorites in everyone. Well, I'm not going to make any of the obvious jokes about that. And uh, I'll just I'll read you this. I thought this was interesting since we talked about uh, this uh, a couple weeks ago. Saudi club Al-Hilal has offered a world record package for, is it Kylian Mbappe? Do you know who that is? Oh, Mbappe? M- Mbappe? Yeah. Okay. The, uh, he's a soccer player. Mm-hmm. One year, $1.1 billion. Oh, wow. <sighs> One year... billion. That is nuts. Remember when I said that they've got unlimited money and they're going to be coming to more sports? I know they were already involved in soccer in some way, but one year, 1.1 billion. Wow. When I tell you that this, they could absolutely come after the NBA at some point and start offering guys crazy money to come join a new league. What if they were to turn to LeBron or, or Steph Curry or whomever else is big in the NBA and say, cool, I'll give you a four-year, $4 billion deal to come to this league. Right. They say no? That's more than disruptive. Nobody could say no to that. And if they do that to a few guys, all of a sudden the NBA is in a world of hurt, and they're having the same conversations they had in the PGA Tour not too long ago. All right. Brock's in here in just a moment. We're getting ready for training camp on Wednesday. It was a brutal weekend for the Mariners, even though they won two out of three. That's next on Brock and Salk.